Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Helps it on to Tyrone Mings and Konza! Ezri Konza strikes gold for Aston Villa! The world of football has lost a great and Aston Villa have lost another football game. Hello and welcome to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast, um, brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com. We come to you after another frustrating defeat for Villa and we've got a few contentious issues to discuss from the match, as well as a look ahead to the next game at home to Newcastle, which may or may not be going ahead due to a Covid outbreak at the uh, Magpies training ground. I'm Regan and you can find me on Twitter at FindFoy and I'm joined by Andy. Hello everyone. Uh, yeah, another frustrating evening for for Aston Villa, and uh, looking forward to to trying to trying to work out what what happened really. Um, and like I said, my name's Andy, and I'm available on Twitter at k two underscore villa. Um, so yeah, let's 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 get into it. Yeah, going going into the game, there were there were high hopes that Villa would be able to turn around the the. You know, recent poor form of three defeats in four games. Obviously, the win within those four games is the three nil uh, win at at the Emirates against Arsenal. Um, and you know, fans were hoping that Villa would be continuing their exemplary away form. You know, I don't don't think we conceded away from home before this West Ham game. Um, Connor Hurahain nipped in ahead of Bertrand Traore to replace the injured Ross Barkley in midfield. Um, and, and, you know, it was it was Dean Smith, again, keeping faith with the regulars who have who have started the season reasonably well. Um, Villa, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit of an um, age-old kind of thing that you hear about Villa. They were slow at the blocks and, and conceded after only two minutes as a deep corner found Angelina Ogbonna, who took full advantage of Villa's poor marking to head home. And it's yet another example of Villa failing to hit their pace early and struggling to defend a fairly straightforward set piece against a, a, a tall player. What did you make of the, the team selection initially with with Hurahane coming in? And, and what are your thoughts of the early goal under? Yeah, I was um I was expecting I think Hurahan to, to start um ahead of Traore. Uh well I, w- I I say that, but I wouldn't have been surprised either way, but I was quite pleased really that Connor Connor got the start and I thought it probably gave us a bit of a firmer base to go off and also um obviously the, the, the added um kind of quality from set pieces that he brings as well. Um and yeah, I thought look, I thought he did he did pretty well. Um Usual kind of kind of horror performance, really. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, you know, the early goal it just felt like again we just we just were caught a little bit cold, and they'd had the chance before, which I think Target had, had really blocked quite well. Um, I can't remember who 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 had the shot, and he he got down and put his body in the way and gave away the corner. But then it's just a very very straightforward kind of deep corner and. 
it looked like Villa players were kind of getting in each other's way a little bit. Um, there was a suggestion that, that perhaps Martinez was held back a bit by Antonio, but I don't think that was that was shown to be to be true. And yeah, and that Ogbon has just got up and nodded it in as as easy as you like, really. And that, the disappointing element was just how straightforward and easy it was. Um, I mean, credit to West Ham, you know, good start, um, good set piece, playing to their strengths as you'd expect from a Moyes team, really. But disappointing, you know, to 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 concede, you know, another set piece, um, you know, early in the game, and you know, immediately then you you're chasing it, aren't you? And you know, you're trying to break down a you know a fairly sort of stingy West Ham back five as it was at the time, and. You know, I, I, it's just disappointing, you know, um, to to see it. But um, you know, what 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 did what did you make of it? We've talked a bit about the the height and the defending from set pieces in previous weeks. You know, it's it's just another another one of those issues, isn't it? You know, it's like Vestergaard versus McGinn, Ogbonna versus Target. Is it's it's an odd one because I remember in the championship we'd you know bring every man back for a corner and and then counter um, you know you know you'd have Abraham on the line or whatever. I'm not sure whether Watkins was back or not. Um, and obviously, we've seen from from previous games that we're we're, we're great on the counter attack. Um, we saw it in in this game against West Ham. So obviously, you're going to need someone to kind of break away. But you know, when when you've got the height in in your team, you need that height in the box defending, and not the likes of Douglas Louise or or John McGinn, who are you know like five nine compared to like you know the six foot two of Ogbonna. We we keep. Um, we keep leaving Mings free to attack the ball and he's our tallest defender. So surely, surely from now on, you've got to have the, the, the six foot five defender up against their tallest player in the box. Surely. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, we've talked about it before, haven't we? And clearly the tactic is to leave Mings free to attack the ball. Um, but I can't see that it's ever worked like that, you know, and... I'm sure that the, the logic behind it is 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 fairly um, reasonable, um, but it's just confusing. And when you keep you keep losing goals to to these set pieces, where, like you say, you've got kind of little guys picking up, you know, big six foot odd six foot foot plus guys. You know, it's it's frustrating. Um, you know, I think you know we responded pretty well though, and um, you know, but. But you know you can see the goal that early, you know, and so easily um, it it just puts you on the back foot. I think. Yeah, I, I do want to talk a bit more about about uh, Hurricane. Um, whilst I do think he 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 can perform in the Premier League, I think he he looks so off the pace yesterday for me. Um, and I don't mean that in terms of how he was playing. I mean like genuinely with with how fast he is. Um, I think the role that Dean Smith places him in doesn't suit him at all and we need to kind of, if we're playing Hurricane, we, we need to have him almost like fairly stagnant and just spraying passes out. A bit like what John McGinn does, you know, John McGinn will win the ball, uh, get into space and then and then just spray a pass wide to Grealish or Trez or whoever. 
we we need McGinn to be the one racing forward, and we need Hurahane to literally just be finding the ball and finding those pinpoint passes. Because if he's running with the ball, he's going to get caught. If he's chasing after the ball, he's not going to catch his man. Um, you know, we we need him to be fairly like rooted to to the position that he's playing in, because. I think you know the the game just passes him by sometimes, and and you know th- that that hurts to say because I'm a massive Hurricane fan, um, you know, and I think he deserves his opportunities. But I think yesterday he just wasn't wasn't fast enough. Yeah, I can see that point of view. I, I, I do feel that um, I'm 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 right with you. I, I do think I do rate Hurricane myself. I'm a big fan. Um, he's a bit of a hero. Um, in my eyes, mainly for the some of the really important goals and some of the great goals he scored for us over the last three or four years. Um, I think it was his hundred fiftieth game for Villa last night, which is which is you know fantastic. He's a proper sort of Villa stalwart now, and um, yeah, I I I love having him at the club. I love the fact he makes these appearances, um, but he. <laughs> I mean, he did okay. I thought he linked play quite well. He was he was always kind of there, supporting Jack and you know and getting involved in the attacks. Um, but I did wonder before the game last night whether if we went with the extra midfielder rather than Traore, whether whether Nakamba would have been a better option um, to just kind of sit in and and um, protect against the transition and let and let um, let Douglas Louise kind of play a little bit a bit, little bit further forward but you know the other aspect that kind of gives is, is his free kicks and he, he did have two two really good free kicks which 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 were close you know to, to scoring so there's that element that he brings as well um, he's, and he's always good for a goal you're never surprised if he pops up on the score sheet so I mean two minds about it really clearly you know he's not on the same level as Barkley nowhere near um and i don't imagine if he does leave villa at any point i don't imagine it'll be to another premier league club i i see him probably as his his most comfortable level would be top top of the championship um rather than sort of mid table in the premier league I, I just don't he's he's perhaps found his 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 ceiling um with where we are but you know, let's not. You know, he's played in every every division, um, and scored in every division, and he's he's been an excellent servant to Villa, and um, you know, he's he's a great man to have around the squad. I think, um, but yeah, I, I I hear what you're saying about his his general play, and you know, ultimately you're going to miss a player of Barkley's quality. Um, whoever comes in, I think. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Steve Bruce going back in for him. I'm sure he was linked with Newcastle um, over the last you know year and a half or so. Um, but yeah, I think you know, I, I think it, it's it's hard to put him down a bit. And I think every time he kind of receives some criticism, he comes back and you know proves everyone wrong. But uh, yeah, I think. I think yesterday the game did kind of pass him by a little bit and and he was unlucky not to get on the score sheet, don't get me wrong, but I think um, 
perhaps Nakamba would have been the better option in that game. Um, but d- despite despite Villa's uh, conceding early, they settled well into the game afterwards and began imposing themselves on, on the game. Both Trezeguet and Ezri Contra had chances as Villa took control of possession and began to push West Ham back. It did look for a while that like, that West Ham were happy to sit deep and, and keep Villa in front of them, and, and you know that was the case for the the vast majority of the game. But it, and it, it's always the same, isn't it, with Villa captain Captain Fantastic Jack Grealish announced himself to the game with another magnificent solo effort. He picked up the ball, rode a couple of challenges. Uh, got to the edge of the box and smashed a shot which deflected off Ogbonna and passed Fabianski to make it one all. You know, it's a, just another example of Jack's class, really. The, you know, I don't think there's any more superlatives that we could use to describe him. No, what more can you say? Um, I'm struggling to think <laughs> what to say about him and uh, just that he's a pleasure to watch. And, you know, the fact that you look through Twitter and, you know, you've got videos of, of Jack Grealish, his best bits from the game again, just looking absolutely world-class. Um, but you've got opposition fans desperately sharing this one clip of him, uh, you know, fair play, being being a bit theatrical after being kicked on the knee. So, you know, people desperately trying to bring him down, I think. And, you know, but there's no doubt. And, I mean, they were raving about him at half-time raving about the goal and you know his general his general play I mean he was he was superb throughout last night he certainly didn't deserve to be on the losing side at all um but yeah what more can you say it was just classic Jack Grealish bit of a deflection but I think it would have gone in anyway and just 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 lovely and great time to score and I really thought we were going to go on from there um, after that, but uh, I can't think. I've, have you got any more any more words for to describe Jack Grealish? <laughs> I, I don't. Um, but yeah, you know, I I agree with you there that that Villa looked like they were going to kind of press on before before half time and grab another, and we were unlucky not to not to challenge the uh, the West Ham keeper a bit more um, in in the first half. It would have been great to go in ahead. Uh, and I, I think that's always the same. If you score just before before half time, it's the best time to score. Um, you know, on balance, Villa deserved at least to go in at half time level, if not ahead. Um, and it was a sign of that dominance that we had after West Ham's goal that, that David Moyes elected to make a double change at half time, bringing on a Sebastian Haller and a Saeed Ben Rama and switching it into a four four two. And obviously in, in, in hindsight it, it paid dividends. Within a minute of the restart, Ben Rama cut in to deliver a little dinked ball into the head of Jared Bowen who had, had passed the ball to Ben Rama in the first place. And Bowen's header looped over Martinez to restore the Hammers lead. It was a real kind of setback um, for Villa and, and you know it again pointed towards a lack of concentration at a crucial moment um, but you know there was still plenty of time to turn it around again um, it, I think it was interesting that it was two players that we've absolutely clamoured to purchase or fans have clamoured to purchase over the last f- three or four seasons you know every transfer window it's Jared Bowen, Sayed Ben Rama Jared Bowen, Sayed Ben Rama um, so the fact that they linked up well to to kind of deal the killing blow, um, as we see it now, is quite interesting. What was your take on the goal? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I hadn't actually thought of that. I did think of the Ben Rama thing. I, I expected him to probably come on and do something. Um, I didn't expect to be quite so quite so soon um, into the half. You know, it was it was really disappointing. I, I was actually watching um, the match um, via a um, Facebook Messenger with with a good friend of mine who who supports West Ham, um, and he was he was shocked when he saw first of all that there was one sub coming on but then that it was a actually a double substitution because apparently Moyes is a, is is a bit like Smith in that respect you know he he's not quick to make substitutions um so the fact he made a double change and and switched it from a a back 3 to a to a, a you know a back 4 in a 442 looking sort of formation you know he was really surprised and you know, I, I I kind of thought, you know, we, we're going to have to be be alive to this because, you know, so often these changes catch teams cold, and you have to know what's going on. You have to be be alive to it and be aware of of the added threat of of having, you know, a couple of extra attacking players on the fields, particularly someone of the quality of of Ben Rama. But yeah, I mean, I, I'd forgotten about the Jared Bowen links, but. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, it's classic, classic, isn't it? You know, two players that we've we've been sought after um, for so long, sort of to link up and and and, and score the winner. Um, and again, it was a bit of a. It was a good goal, I, I suppose. It was certainly good from Ben Rama. Um, <clears throat> but again, there's this this feeling that we're just left sort of standing a little bit. We're not alive to the danger, and you know, we haven't we haven't got into Ben Rama and closed him down and. And and he's he's just been left to kind of work his magic and and that was disappointing so early in the half really, um, so yeah, <laughs> classic classic Villa really I suppose. I I can't remember the exact start, but they were talking about it during the game yesterday. I don't think David Moyes has lost against us in his career. Um, right, okay. is that right? I I don't um, know. I can't remember. I think no, he he would have done because I'm sure he was manager. Um, during the time when I uh, at Everton, during the time O'Neill was was manager, and we did beat them, certainly beat them once at Goodison um, in that time. It may it may have been something like he's not lost against us in his last eight games or oh, okay. something. Yeah, um, but but it's interesting to see that we 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 keep having these kind of you know almost pantomime villains in our in our Premier League and Championship career you know there's always that player that 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 scores against us you know Shane Long Troy Deeney Danny Ings um you know the, the, there's plenty of them there's swathes of them um all over the place and it's the same with managers and, and and i think it's interesting that 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 this happens i don't know whether it's like i don't know whether you know you could expect a manager to go go before a game like right you know shane long has scored against us 10 times in the last 10 games jay rodriguez has done this 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 and this and they whether they prepare for it and then like you know that that player finds themselves in a in a shooting position and and you know the defense are like, oh shit! What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? He's going to score. He's going to score. Um, I don't know whether they prepare they prepare things like that at all, but it, it's it's so interesting to see that we have so many like streaks against us. Um, 
And I think it's even more interesting considering how much of a streaky manager Dean Smith is. Uh, and, and onto the streaks, really, it, 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 it's signalled in this season. You know, we had a great, great start to the season and now we're on a, a losing streak. Um and, you know, it could very well go on for another two or three games. I, I would hope not, but uh, rest assured, you know, after a couple of losses, we'll be back to winning ways. Yeah, the the, the streak, and, and it's interesting what you say about, about you know, sort of players that have, or, or managers that have a bit of a, uh, you know, a, the sign over us, if if you like, because um, Dean Smith was one of those. If you remember, you know, we couldn't we couldn't beat Dean Smith, could we? Um, in the few times we came up against him when he was Brentford manager, um, and we can't keep you know signing players that <laughs> have a, have that kind of record or managers that have that kind of record against us. Um, but yeah, it, it is a worrying thing, you know, that the difference. Um, the difference, I think, this time um, with Dean Smith is that um, it feels like the, the you know the, the the team are playing quite well, and we certainly didn't deserve to lose that game last night. Um, we we were the better side for eighty eight minutes, um, far more far more productive um, in terms of creating chances and big chances. You know, had most of the ball, most of the action was in West Ham's half, and you know, there's no way we deserve to lose it. So there's a positive to be taken from that. Um, in that, we, you know, if we play that well, generally we will win. Um, in the, the next time Watkins gets a penalty, he'll probably score. You know, it's it's that kind of it's those margins, isn't it? Um, with this, um, but it, the worrying aspect is going back to the old defensive mistakes because. They'd clearly worked incredibly hard, um, you know, after the lockdown last season, coming back after restart and being really miserly in, in defence um, and started this season the same. Um, but it feels a little bit like things are things are creeping back in now and uh, that's a bit of a worry for me going forward um, as the games come a little bit uh, faster over December and January, really. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting to look at the the XG as well. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't really involve themselves too much in in the expected goals stat, but obviously it tells the story of the game. Um, I've seen you know mutual friends of ours like James Rushton mention game states and, and and you need to consider game states alongside XG, but generally you know you you look at that and you see that even when Villa have been losing games um against Southampton against against West Ham against uh Brighton we we dominated xg and and from the chances in the game we should have won the, all three games um so i think it's interesting i don't know whether it, it says something about our quality up front you know but the, uh, then again you know Wally Watkins has scored six goals already this season which is a great start for his debut premier league season um I think I can't put my finger on it. I think it is the defensive lapses again. Um, and, and you know, uh, one of our writers, Georgia, wrote about it the other day, saying that, you know, having an undroppable back line that we've currently got is, is, is a bit of an issue because, you know, Ming's concert target and and Cash aren't really fighting for their position. They're not fighting for their place. So they can, they can afford to have Laxdazel performances at time to time. 
they can and and we don't have we don't have that competitiveness do we um at the back i'm not sure who was on the i can't remember who was on the bench last night even um defensive wise for villa um last night um but certainly if you think that Engels and um Courtney Hawes are, are probably the ones pushing Mings and Konza you know they're not they're nowhere near are they that you know there's no there's no suggestion even on a losing run as we are on that 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 either of those guys are, are, are breathing down um Konza and Mings's necks really and the the same is is probably true of the fullbacks um which is a good thing as well because it means that those players are obviously very competent and very good but and I, I certainly don't think there's any lack of effort or application um with any of the players um but you know clearly um the results aren't there and there, there are defensive lapses but again it's it's a it's a relatively young and a relatively inexperienced back line as well um so there are going to be spells where they they perhaps struggle to to kind of pull it all together a little bit and um you know that the main frustration defensively last night was the was the first goal the second goal was was just one of those it was a good bit of play really but the first goal was just it's just like here you go have a have a a goal head start sort of thing <laughs> after that second goal you know Villa again got themselves onto the front foot and and, and they did look dangerous going forward um, and it appeared like an equaliser would be inevitable um, Trezeguet had a chance that, that was saved well by Fabianski you know uh, arguably Trezeguet could have done better but he's getting himself into these positions and you know that's the thing. If he's not scoring them now, he's going to be scoring them later in the season. It's a law of averages. Football is, and and you know, if you're conceding, um, you know, stupid goals or VAR, VAR, which we'll get onto later, is going against you, or or you know, things like that. It, it will balance itself across across the season. Um, and it it did last season. You know, there was there were plenty of times where. VAR kind of went our way rather than against us towards the latter stages of the season. Um, so you know Trezeguet getting into those positions, he he needs to do better. But you know the the goals will come from him. Um, but he he won us a penalty. You know um, I can't remember the exact minute of the game, but Declan Rice was penalised for a shirt pull on Trezeguet uh, in the box, and then as Trezeguet went down, he either he either connected with. Um, with with Royce's knee or boot and it split his eyebrow open, you know, he was absolutely covered in blood. Um and and you know, it was probably less of a penalty than last week's over turn one against Brighton. But it stood, Watkins stepped up and, and crashed the kick against the bar with Fabianski diving the other way. It was a huge opportunity for, for Villa to get back into the game and you know credit to Watkins for stepping up and taking the responsibility. But he has a very poor penalty record across his career. There was a whole kind of hullabaloo about him having scored 26 goals or something last season in the championship and not one of them was a penalty compared to you know Mitrovic who scored the same amount of goals but obviously some of them would have been penalties. Um, for me, we need to pick a better penalty taker um, and you know Watkins has taken two, scored one but I think, you know, if you've got a player that that has that kind of that duck that needs breaking in terms of 
penalty misses, then you know you you put someone else on there. You put the likes of El Ghazi or or someone someone else that you know perhaps is is good when they practice in training, rather than Watkins who has this kind of duck that needs breaking. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm always um, in favour of the the striker, the centre forward taking the penalties. I, I think I've I've said before that you know strikers um, are very into their numbers and they need to keep them ticking over a little bit like an opening batsman in cricket. You know, you take those singles and keep the scoreboard going. And I think that's a similar thing for a striker. And you know, but, but having said that, you don't want striker being put in a position where they're miss, potentially missing penalties and it's affecting their confidence. I mean, Ollie, he looked absolutely distraught with himself when he missed that penalty last night. And, you know, it was such a shame because he's obviously been, um, you know, flying high really since he signed for the club. Um, and it was a real, it, it really wasn't a good penalty, was it? It was, um, you know, the keeper, keeper's gone the wrong way and he's, he's managed to, to hit the bar, which is, which is, which is obviously ne- never good. He's hit it hard. He's taken. He's he's backed himself. You know, it's not a soft penalty, but you've got to get it on target. And um, it was a huge opportunity, and and clearly a, a real turning point. You know, who knows if that goes in? Potentially, we do go on and 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 nick the points. You know, so you know, disappointing. Um, and maybe yeah, maybe it is it's worth sharing them around a little bit. And you know, if if Ollie's not too too confident, then 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 allow allow someone else, someone like Trezeguet. You know, I'm sure he he's he'd be a confident penalty taker. Obviously, Jack Grealish, but he he missed his last one as well, didn't he? Um, yeah, good Sheffield United, I think. Yes, it was last last season. Didn't he hit the bar as well? I think he, he may have hit the bar. Um, yeah, he did. Yeah, but but you know, it's it's. Um, it's one of those things, and whoever you pick could miss. <laughs> That's the thing. It's um, you know, it's when you start missing sort of maybe two or three in a row, and then you sort of, then you think, well, no, this guy's not confident now, and perhaps we need a change. But you know, the other thing is you share it. If you share it round, then no one has that the the potential to get into that kind of rut with with penalties because everyone's having a go. Um, so, so that's an option maybe, but, um, I think he'll kick on. I can see him, you know, maybe scoring in his next game and, you know, putting it behind him. Yeah. It looked initially like Trezeguet wanted to take the penalty. You know, he he was kind of like wiping his, his bloodied face, uh, (laughs) with his shirt and pushing away the physio, uh, saying like, you know, he wanted to stay on the pitch and John McGinn almost had to go over to him and say like, you, you cannot be on the pitch. Uh, with with this much blood coming out of your your eyebrow, because you know, I I think it's a, a TV rule, isn't it? That you know they can't show they can't show prolonged exposure to to, to blood, um, which is why you know if a player's uh, and I think it's probably sponsorship stuff as well, you know, because if a player has blood on their shirt, they have to change their shirt, or if the shirt gets ripped, they have to change the shirt. Um, so I, I, you know, I doubt you know. There's probably somewhere in a contract that says, with with kazoo that says, you know, if you get blood on the shirt, you go and change it. We don't we don't want it. Yeah, and, you know, Trezeguet went and wiped his face on his shirt, so he was absolutely <laughs> covered in it. Uh, but he it very clearly wanted to take the penalty that he'd won, uh, and unfortunately didn't get the chance. 
Um, but Villa were kind of undeterred from from their penalty miss and kind of kept pressing forward. Uh, time was was running out, unfortunately. Um, but you know, in 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 injury time, uh, Matt Target had a pinpoint cross to Watkins, who who confidently slotted home, uh, and he he didn't celebrate almost in expectation that, that VAR would look at an, a potential offside. Um, and true to recent form, Villa were left frustrated as VAR returned an offside verdict and the goal was chalked off. You know, the, the debate raged afterwards about the rights and wrongs of the decision um, and other similar confusing VAR rulings. Um, you know, replays showed that Watkins was being felled by Bonner, which, you know, it's almost like pushing him onside um, for me. Uh, but if that's not if that's an offside goal, then first and foremost it's a penalty because he's obstructing a clear, you know, he's denying a clear goal scoring opportunity. Um, perhaps you know you you argue that Watkins could have gone down and won the penalty um, because you know that's what the pundits were saying that people don't want to see dives or or kind of players going down too easily. But if that's the only way they're going to kind of get what they need from from those kind of chances then then that's what it's going to take um how do you begin to explain the 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 VAR ruling and you know could it hurt villa in the general scheme of the season well the the VAR i mean for me VAR now needs to go um it's been it's been shown time and time again now that it's it's not fit for purpose. Um, they're missing huge decisions. They're focusing in on minutiae of 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 incidents, millimeters of offside. You know, someone's shirt being offside, um, and missing missing big 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 decisions. Big, you know, like last night. A, you know, a, a potential penalty if if if. Um, if it's not an offside, it's it's you know he's he's like you say he's he's kind of pushed him into an offside position almost, which can't be right, can it? And 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 the 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 thing is, it, it won't be long. I mean, at the moment, it's fairly early in the season, but it won't be long before something like this really does affect um, something, and and a, and a team gets relegated off the back of it, or or um, or wins the league on the back of it or, or something like that, you know, and, and, and there are, there are ramifications. Um, for me, it has to go. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a very clunky system. It's, um, it's a, um, almost an imposition. It's a, it's a, it's a two dimensional abstract view of something that's, that's, that's obviously three or four dimensional, you know, and it's, it's, it's very kind of, um, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, someone said to me, um, you know, in the real world, that that's not offside, you know, because he's level essentially, isn't he? You know, the bodies of the the two players is is level, and certainly with the guy on the Sufal on the on the far side, they're level. It's just his his arm or or his head, which is is slightly ahead, and that can't be that can't be right, can it? Um, so whether they need to look at look at you know how they how they decipher offside, um, whether it should be the feet or whether it should be a case of you know if any part of the attacker is level, um, 
then it's level, it's onside, and that would be my preference personally, because um, I think you have to give the benefit of the doubt to the striker. Essentially, it's it's a you know we've we've got this great game which entertains millions of people all around the world, and we're finding reasons to to disallow goals, which can't be right, can it? It's 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 just ridiculous. Um, fair enough if it if it is clear, then then fine, but but. You know, generally speaking, linesmen have always picked that up. Is it ninety-seven percent of of of, of um, linesmen off linesmen's offside calls are, are correct normally? So it just seems it just seems ridiculous to me. Um, you know, I can't complain too much about the offside because it is the same for everyone at the moment. But the fact that the penalty wasn't given, and and that, and effectively, you're asking. Watkins, rather than trying to stay on his feet to score the goal, you're asking him to dive onto the floor in order to get a penalty, which which is again is against this. this is for me, what I'd like to see the spirit of the game be. Yeah, I mean, you know, I much preferred before they are that you know if a player was off offside and and the goal stood, um, you know, you'd see you'd you'd see the kind of an- analysis about it afterwards, and and yeah, you'd kind of walk away feeling dejected and going okay you know that that was an offside but it it doesn't have the same kind of gut-wrenching feeling that that VAR does and it's 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 incredibly annoying to you know have experiences like this in in the current game you know that there's issues with with the game at, at every level but it's one thing that the the championship offers uh, much better than 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 the Premier League, and that's the lack of VAR. Yeah, I agree, and and that's that's the thing. I'm, I remember sort of last season thinking, if we went, if we get relegated, at least we don't have to put it with VAR anymore. Which you know, and I've said recently, you know, I'm, I'd happily be locked out for another two years if it, if it meant they scrapped VAR, VAR. And I'm I'm I mean that might be a, a little bit. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but. Um, that's how I feel about it. I just feel like it's and it's almost being done behind our backs. We can't do anything about it because we're not in the ground. There's there's no they can do what they like with the game whilst we're not there. And that, that feels almost deceitful. Um I'm 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 really I'm really quite worked up about VAR. <laughs> um and I, I don't want to be. I wanna be I wanna be sat here lamenting the fact that Vera have lost and, and, and really analysing that, the reasons why. You know, but the fact that VAR is is effectively deciding these these games, that's two in a row for us now, where we've effectively had the chance to potentially have, you know, an extra an extra couple of points, um and be be sort of in the top six maybe rather than sitting tenth and and, and and that's 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 really disappointing. There's always the ongoing theory that you know the Premier League favours its its big clubs, um, and and you know those are generally those from from London and and Manchester, um, with no fans in the stadiums, with you know very little control outside of of the the VAR control room. You know, it's almost like like a dictatorship almost. In, in in its very base form that if if for example you know I'm not suggesting this is the case but 
it could quite easily be, you know, almost, almost a form of match fixing. Uh, we don't want Villa to get a point. We don't want them to to push into the top six or the the top ten this season. So, you know, we'll we'll chalk that off for offside. Um, and I, I think too that's that's too much control. I'm not saying that that is the case, but I think that the, even having the option to do that, it, it, there's too much control in 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 VAR. And I think you know it, football isn't a controlled game. It's not a controlled environment. You know you want the rash tackles, you want the the exceptional goals, and I think you know turning the game into this regulated kind of. A pile of, I'm not going to say it, but you know, it is yeah. football's football's dying, and and I think it needs to become more unregulated in 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 this regard anyway to to kind of revive itself. The other the other thing that annoys me is is this this idea that we're comparing football to to other sports, um, namely mainly rugby union um, and rugby league that that use. The um, TMO system, uh, which is their equivalent of VAR, um, and they have done for a number of years, um, and they use it quite effectively, really. But it's not—it's not perfect by any stretch. Um, and the significant difference is that it's the—it's the referee on the field of play that makes the final decision. You know, they look at the the big screen. Um, that you know, the, the TMO official will will point to something. A potential issue, or the ref will will ask the TMO to look at a certain issue. There'll be some advice that you know they might encourage the referee to look at it again. But there's this ongoing conversation, and more importantly, you can hear that conversation on the TV. Um, or and, and I think you can have um, like earpieces in the stand as well to be able to hear the referee. Um, which which kind of at least you know what the what the decision is that you're waiting for and you know what the thought process that's going into it, which is great. But but rugby lends itself more to that, that, that having those stoppages as well. Um, you know, it's it's not it's not quite the same. There, there are more, fa- there's different phases of play um, and different kind of set piece opportunities which present, which, which enable you to kind of, to kind of look at things really. And, you know, to 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 kind of compare the two the two sports and say just because it works in rugby union it should work in in football is just is just wrong in my opinion. It, they're, they're entirely different sports with entirely different cultures and a different attitude towards refereeing generally. So, um, I actually think it's it's it has no place at the moment. That they, they might come up with something in the future as technology advances where they can, you know, um, kind of tell definitively um certain things like offside but but the other thing regan is how how many decisions i mean we've watched for for decades and certainly since the advent of sky sports where they they argue between themselves in the studio you'll have you know in the old days you'd have alan hansen and mark lawrenson in match of the day arguing about a decision a penalty decision or something and you have it now with Neville and Carragher, and the same, you know, and it's been the same for the last thirty years at least, you know. How how is and they're watching the same thing that a, that a VAR official would watch, 
So how's the VAR official suddenly able to make his mind up and get the absolute correct decision? It's so subjective. But, you know, as well, you, you mentioned the pundits and the pundits are, are disagreeing with the, the VAR decision. So it's, yeah, exactly. it's, it's, so, it's so confusing and, you know, that things do need to change. Whether they will or not remains to be seen. There is now a short turnaround before Villa's next fixture at Villa Park to Steve Bruce's Newcastle United on Friday night. The fixture is currently in doubt due to an apparent outbreak of COVID-19 at Newcastle. Um, there was a Telegraph report that came out about an hour ago stating that Newcastle United will ask the Premier League to postpone Friday night's game against Aston Villa as they believe as many as 10 players are infected with COVID-19. I do believe that there, there is a ruling that you you if you have 14 players that can play, they, they should play, but it depends on whether those 14 players need to now self-isolate. It, it is an uh, interesting uh, situation that is uh, that has arisen. Um, you know, th- there should be fairness at the heart of any decision, really. Um, th- what are your thoughts, Andy? Do you think the game should go ahead? Um, and, uh, you know, how would we feel if we suddenly had to play while missing a number of players who had tested positive? Well, it, there's two ways of looking at it, really. I think, I think first of all, we have to recognise that this this virus is a is a an extra problem. It's it's you know, I kind of had the idea. Well, if you get one or two, a bit like Liverpool did earlier in the season, you know, you treat it like injuries. They're out for two weeks. You know, that's fine. But the pro- the problem with this is that obviously it can suddenly affect um, the whole the whole squad. In effect, couldn't it? It could pass to everyone. Um, and then it could also, if you play the game, who's to say there aren't players on the field who are infected and then they pass it on to the other team as well. Um, the social distancing seems to have gone from from the protocols now. So the all the benches shake hands and touch each other's faces and, you know, the players hug each other after the games, you know, the, 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 these things have seemed to have fallen a bit by the wayside. Um, so you can't really guarantee the safety of, of our players um, if Newcastle turn up with infected players. So um, it's it's a tricky one. The other aspect to it is though, and I saw, I saw someone saying about this on, on Twitter earlier that, you know, if it's there, if it's because they've broken some sort of protocol, COVID protocol within the club, then, you know, is there is there a case that they should maybe forfeit the match and Villa get the points? You know, that's that's another another aspect. If you can't field the team and it's your fault, you know, why why should Villa have to rearrange that fixture? Um, that's another element to it. But I think under the circumstances and given the nature of of this virus and the pandemic, I think that would be really really harsh. And ultimately, you have to look after the the players. And if it was Villa, I'd, I'd want the game postponed, I think. I think Steve Bruce definitely seems like the kind of bloke that would be anti-mask. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. He's, 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 I don't think he's very... <laughs> I don't think he's he's that aware, maybe. I don't know if he wears a mask. Um, it might, it might um, stop him eating his chips, I suppose, if he wears one for too long. <laughs> Yeah, and his kebabs and all that. <laughs> but uh, as we approach this match, are there any kind of changes that you'd make to the team? Uh, was the performance last night good enough, despite the defeat, to to keep a similar team 
Um, do any players need to rest? I, d- I don't know really. I think I think I'd I'd, I'd be tempted to to start with uh, Traore now. Um, I think given the fact that we we were maybe in the last couple of games we've perhaps been a bit a bit uh, goal shy. Um, maybe there's a, a case for bringing him bringing him in and maybe moving Jack more centrally. Um, I know Troy Traore tends to play on the right, which is the same as Trezeguet. Um, Trezeguet certainly doesn't deserve to be dropped, so it's a bit of a conundrum, really. Um, I think as as well, maybe in the midfield, I, you know, I, I I do like the idea of of playing Nakamba and Douglas Louise and and letting Douglas Louise get forward a bit more. He certainly looks he's so good on the ball. He had a, he had a really good game last night. Um, so that would be another another thing I'd consider. But I mean, the the defense can't change; it has to stay the same. There's no, you know, you could maybe bring Elmo in for cash, but I don't really see the point of that um, unless there's an injury. Um, but no, what what do you think? Do you think it's time to make a bit of a change? Um, I'm not entirely sure if I'm honest. I think I think the the thought of perhaps Nakamba and Alevin Louise to to move forward is probably the the only thing that I would probably change. Um, but you know, as always, we've just we've just got to play around, Jack. Um, I've just seen a, a stats thing. Um, since the start of last season, he scored twelve goals, which is third amongst uh. All Premier League midfielders He's got ten assists, which is second amongst all Premier League midfielders. He's created the second most chances with 109, won the most fouls with nearly 200, and uh, the second most dribbles completed with 93. He's genuinely like on the same level as as the likes of Bruno Fernandez and and Kevin De Bruyne at the moment. And you know you've you've just got to let him play his game and play around him, and and hopefully. Will come away with with three points. Yeah, I mean there, there was there was that opportunity last night, wasn't there, where he he kind of on the he was on the corner of the penalty area and he he kind of did a turn and and left. Uh, it was about four West Ham players for dead and got the cross in and and really Watkins should have done better with the with the header. Um, and I saw I did see as well Carragher. It was interesting. Carragher was was. Um, I guess asked about the the comparisons with Gaza and and he said. It's it's probably more a comparison with Hazard, um, and they were comparing like the various stats from one of Hazard's better seasons. And Jack is right up there with Hazard, and obviously playing in a similar position. Um, so I mean, he is again sort of stepping up a level all the time, isn't he? And and um, he des- he he deserved better last night. He really did. I don't often say that about individual players. Um, but he 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 definitely deserved to be on the winning team last night, and uh, um, yeah, I agree. You've just got to you've just got to make sure you've you've got to make sure you 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 his output is 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 bang on and, and what it could be because if it is, then you've got every chance of beating anyone. As we usually end podcast, Sandy, short and simple score prediction. Okay, if it goes ahead, I'm going for a three-one Villa win. Okay. Um, obviously, it's not away, so I can't. And I mean, that's been broken now. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I predicted, I predicted a West Ham win in the hope that I'd be wrong and Villa would win. But 
Um, if the game does go ahead, I will say a 1-0 Villa win. Yeah, I'll take that all day long. Absolutely. Three points in the bag. Absolutely. Let's hope it goes ahead. <laughs> Hopefully. If you have enjoyed this week's podcast, please do leave us a review on whatever platform that you're listening on, or you can leave us comments on social media. We read every single one and we appreciate them ever so much. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can do so at Villa Lamp on Twitter, forward slash under a gaslit lamp on Facebook, and at under a gaslit lamp on Instagram. As always, guys, thank you so much for listening and up the villa.